Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast 164 with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the Square Ball. When you inquire, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. With me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And also with me, Roscoe White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Issue five of our fanzine is out right now. Came out versus Wednesday at the weekend. You can get that on the website. Also, if you want to subscribe for the remaining half of this season, the half season subs, limited number of them on sale right now on the website. So if you want to get all the mags delivered to your door, thesquareball.net. Well, it's midweek now. We've all calmed down a wee bit from the Sheffield Wednesday game. I don't think we have calmed down. Have we not? I think things have got worse. Do you think things have got more frenetic? <laughs> yeah, people are getting angrier. Monday went by with nobody signed. Every passing minute, Che Adams isn't at this football club. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Leeds. <laughs> well, I thought the bigger news on uh, against Wednesday on Saturday was the dropping of Robbie Gotts, which was absolutely inevitable, wasn't it? Moscow yeah. predicted he wouldn't play another game. Yep, that's it now. Uh, Thanks for your service, Robbie. We will remember you. It's funny, isn't it? Had we lost this game earlier in the season, was it you who was saying this, Moscow, that there wouldn't be the same angst surrounding it? But because it's happened during the transfer window, it's mm. just, it's like someone's walked in with a big old can of petrol and tipped it on the fire. October would have been fine. And I think Bielsa said uh, in his press conference that the reason we lost this game is not because we didn't have a second striker on the bench. I think the reason we lost this game was two mistakes in our own half, which again, Bielsa pointed out, is kind of, true Dallas for that first one letting the ball just sort of bounce off his head knee toe and then away and then um, we were all out of shape and that silky playmaker knew who with the through ball and then Kiko with the the inexplicable inexplicable goalkeeping and so but somehow Kiko letting that in at the near post came back to the Mm. the transfer window as well because we signed him last January so everybody's going back and say well why did we sign him and not somebody else. <laughs> so it all, it all just with that window being open, it changes absolutely everything. There, there's a few things on Chad Adams here, actually, because uh, someone posted a clip of pretty much all of his goals from last season, and the ones against us, I was thinking, he has scored chances there that Bamford definitely wouldn't have done. Like one of the one of the ones he scored against us last year was very much like the one Bamford passed to their goalkeeper. Mm. But also, at least one of the goals he scored against us last year, Bailey Peacock Farrell basically just lets in. <laughs> a bit like Kiko let this one in. So Yeah. If he comes, I think we need to be prepared for the fact that every shot he takes is not going to go in. Every game is not going to be immediately won. And the same 
deficiencies will still have the the problems at the back that have have crept in. Well, so let's let's talk about Chadams in the context of transfers in a bit and address what we saw on Saturday first. Get the post mortem over and done with. I know you can't unpick the two of them, but still, um, we've got a screen grab here of that shot of Kiko being beaten at the near post. That shouldn't be happening, should it? No, no. I mean, it's an it's an impossible angle to score from. It's one of those. The only way you could score it is if it's one of those ridiculous ones where occasionally people manage to get it really high into the roof of the net or it somehow has a ridiculous bend on it. But this just goes right past Kiko's left foot. Yeah. Or possibly through his legs. It's um, not entirely clear from the clip. I think it just goes past his left foot. As um, a former goalkeeper myself... And, and as am I. Let me tell you. St. Peter's... Well, it was until I was about 11 I was a goalkeeper. Then I think I realised I was not going to be any bigger than five foot eight. <laughs> but even still, it can sometimes happen when you get a shot drilled at you and it comes close to your body that you can't either get your feet out or get down to it if someone but, puts it really close to you. But Dan, Kiko played for Real Madrid. Who the fuck did you play for? Uh, good point. <laughs> I think the level you were at, more allowable. I know, but you still can't change the, the nature of physics, can you? If somebody twats a ball dead hard really close to your body, you're going to struggle to get down if it's immediate. I'm not justifying what he's done because it's shite and at you know, 30 odd grand a week, whatever he's on, he should be saving everything, to my mind. Is it his bandy legs? It just needs one of those long, that well, specifically the left one, his left leg to stop the ball. That's what I would have done in his position. So, just to revise our coaching guide, which we've developed over the course mm-hmm. of this season. Michael, you're, you're obviously a season pro at coaching now. Yeah. What, what would your advice be to, to Kiko under those circumstances? If you can't reach the ball with your hands, but you can reach it with your feet, and that'll stop the ball going in, use your feet. Don't Rather than let it go in, get your foot in the way of it. Is that, or, what, is that how you would use your foot or your hand, just put it in the way of it? Yeah, yeah. And then what? Because it sounds like it's very scientific to me. Well, I mean, from that point, from that position, you don't even need to worry about where it goes, really, because there's no one else anywhere near. So unless you knock it straight back to the player who was shot from an impossible angle, you're fine. So you're saying, get some sort of appendage in yeah. front of that and then that's all you need to do? That's all you need to do. Could have just laid flat on the ground <laughs> before the shot was taken and it would have gone in. Would you recommend the use of a stick? <laughs> I'm not sure that's within the rules. I've seen it done in hockey. I'm not sure whether it's you want to take... Sort Tra- of, transferable skills. Yeah, people look at um, other sports to see what we can what we can learn from them. And I think maybe giving giving Kiko a stick might be... I've also noticed those hockey keepers tend to have a lot of padding on and a helmet. Can we give Kiko bigger boots? Maybe with like a stick, a, a, a hockey stick shaped thing. Comedy clown boots. Stuck to the side of them. So when he, when he turns his feet sideways... Do you remember that really famous photo in the 1980s of Bruce Grobler with the giant foam hands mm-hmm. on? Do you remember that one? Maybe we could give him some of those gloves and then some giant clown shoes. Yeah. Is there a rule about shoe size? I mean, there the can't be, because then you talk the rule about feet size and then you're getting into binding their feet as toddlers <laughs> so that they, they don't grow above a certain size, like ballet dancers. So. Well, it's, it's an option. We'll, we'll maybe write to the club. I, I feel like what we're doing here is deliberately skirting around how poor things were on Saturday and how tetchy everybody's become and well, how upsetting it was. I watched the game back yesterday and it was business as usual, really. We were fine. And even the period before they scored, the period between Jordan Stevens coming on and us giving the ball away so that they scored, we were absolutely hammering them. We were battering them as per. They were hemmed in to their penalty area and it was some of their defending was desperate. They're just trying to head the ball anywhere out of the box. We're collecting it, putting it back in again, again, again. And it was the usual thing. And that is why I was mentioned on the match ball. While that's going on, Phil Hay leans over to me and says, I think Leeds are going to get the goal here. And I didn't feel as confident as him because I'd seen... Us. I think the uh, the thing I was going to come on to with Adams coming is Shea Adams being a better striker than Pat Bamford doesn't help Jack Harrison put in the two really good chances he had the one from Calvin Phillips free kick and then in the second half there was a really good 
cross that he somehow came charging in at the back posting, looking for that to be buried in the top of the net, and he headed it back out to, I think it was either Costa or Ailing had crossed it in for him, and he just like headed it back out towards them, and that, that's not how that was supposed to work. But I, I did feel we had the better of the first half, and that was when the uh, the main Bamford chances and, and Harrison from the free kick, and Wednesday didn't really do anything. Second half, Wednesday got a bit more organised, attacked down the right. We sorted that out by bringing Alioski on, Hernandez and Stevens seemed to make a difference. Then we just made a stupid mistake and we lost it. Yeah, fair point. I mean, are you more in line with like what Calvin Phillips said? Because did you see him? Um, he was pouring oil on stormy waters, really, when somebody was tweeting saying that there'd been an alleged bust up between Calvin and Kiko in the tunnel. And he actually responded to this tweet and said, it's nonsense. I respect my teammates. That would never happen. And don't know why everyone's getting so worried. We lost to a team that didn't deserve to win. I right, see. I I've know the true story of this. I, from the north, I was probably somewhere by the northeast corner, just leaving as as this will have been going off in the tunnel. And I heard Calvin call him a bandy legged fuck. Is that true? Yeah, heard it. I heard it pretty clearly. I think it was Calvin anyway. Certainly one of the players said it to me. <laughs> I, I know somebody who works at Leeds Hospital who uh, who who told me the true story of of what went on. Yeah, I feel like that Wednesday they got better in the second half, but we had ridden it out and we were putting all the pressure on towards the end. And then those two mistakes that led to the first goal just absolutely killed us. But there was something about the atmosphere that I noticed when I watched it back that Bryn Law was was saying it again towards the end of the, the first half that I'd noticed. There was a bit where Matt Click, down by the, the West End touchline, did two kind of backheel volleys, the first of which went to a Wednesday player and then we won the ball back. And then the second one, I think, did come off. It went to a Leeds player, but not in a particularly good position. And you could hear people around going like, just stop doing that. What you'd like, stop messing about. When it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't the cleverest thing to do, but it's not like he suddenly decided to start doing trick shots or anything like that. He just, he, he thought that was the best. But there was nobody for some reason, and this is around the 40th minute, was in the mood for a back heel or mm. anything like that. And then Casilla in the first half as well had the ball in his hands and was like looking for a counter-attack and you couldn't see anybody to throw it to, so we stopped. And you could hear everyone going, oh, come on! Mm. Like, why aren't we straight on the counter-attack? And that's something that's crept in a, a little bit since we got really good at counter-attacking, since we scored from counter-attacks. If we don't do that every single time, if Casilla doesn't instantly hit Costa and we're away, everyone goes, oh, we could have scored there. I don't know why that necessarily crept into this game. Everybody, I'm sure, was a lot calmer mm. the last time we were at Ellen Road. Something about this match, everybody just woke up in a really fucking bad mood. I think as well, and the word that Phil keeps using in the podcast that we do with him is tetchy. There's a tetchiness about it, but that's what one win in seven will do for you. Mm. That's about the size of it, I think. If we win against QPR at the weekend, and then you're looking at games against Millwall at home, and is it Wigan at home then after that? Three Wigan. Three old Wigan at home. <laughs> Highlight of the season. I'm not bothered about that. Three, it's three winnable games. If we go to QPR and make a good start on that at the weekend, it'll change everything. We don't win in London. Particularly this time we do. Particularly if we get a striker in, and especially if it's Chad Adams. The problem is, I was just going to say, the problem is that um, history, well not history, but events keep proving the Techie doom mongers right. So, you know, everybody was anxious about the way this game was going to go. 
and they were right because we lost. And then um, everybody's anxious about going to London and, yeah, we don't win in London, so we, we might well lose. So it could mm. be right. And But both acts as a catalyst for each other, doesn't it? The tetchiness creeps in and then the team kind of start to buckle a little bit under it, which is maybe what they were, they were talking about, about that sort of pressure in the stadium and, and people being unhappy. I mean, The, the yeah. tetchiness is all coming from a good place, is the tetchiness. Mm. People, it's because they've seen this happen before and are nervous and are quite rightly saying maybe we deserve to have something to celebrate after... How many years now? 16, 16 years yeah. of being in this league. Maybe it's time we did just get out of this league and stop being very leadsy about it. It was more fun in many ways going to games when you didn't expect to win and then you did. Now, could people have seen us be good? We know we can, on a, on a day, we are better than anyone else in this league. And so when we're not, Do you know what I don't like? You. On that, what I don't like is that over our spell in these leagues, particularly because we kind of did our best to blow League One and we lost in the playoffs a couple of times since we came down, there's become this narrative that Leeds is a club that blows it and you know Leeds are falling apart again. But the 15 years prior to that were pretty much on the up and up. Uh, admittedly, you know, there's the whole doing a Leeds thing, but we know why that happened. It's because we overstretched ourselves and the transfer market collapsed. But even still, you know, we got, we got promoted. It was pretty bloody uncomfortable in 1990. I can tell you, you know, anybody who wasn't old enough to witness it, it all got very, very worrying towards the end. But still, there was never this idea that Leeds is a club that blows it. Well, yeah, I, I mentioned 1990 in my match report on the, the square ball that the Barnsley match ended Awful. With, with booze Awful. ringing round after we'd been, been beaten by a team that was getting relegated and there was two games left after that and everybody dancing we're blown it a week later we beat the famous game when Strachan scored against Leicester and everybody's doing a conga on the pitch because Finney Jones has told us we're up yeah the the falling apart narrative obviously Sheffield Wednesday we're enjoying that on, on Saturday but I think the other thing to remember is nothing is settled in January. I know we've been joking about, you know, we opened up that nine-point gap. It's like, yep, well, we're basically done. But even if we had beaten Sheffield Wednesday, we're still not up. And then we've lost to Sheffield Wednesday and we're we're still not up because the season doesn't end until May. And I don't know how everyone is going to be able to get through the next four months if we react to every defeat Mm -hmm. as if, well, that's it now. We're not going up. Everything's ruined. Okay, the, the gap is closing to third. It's probably going to, close even tighter before the end of the season and then it'll open again and then it'll tighten up. I think it's that kind of micro watching every result and extrapolating from that the season definition. That's it. Is um useless because it's it's forty six games and there's still there's loads still to go. There's a terrifying number and of games the, still the to go. The momentum of Brentford is obviously worrying everyone as well, but as you say, Brentford will have a bad run. They'll yeah. have a run like this where they'll win one in seven. They'll and lose then games. They'll, and then they'll drop back. Or they won't and they'll overtake us. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing. When when it's someone else doing it, you see other teams' momentum as never-ending, don't you? You think, well, that's that's them winning like, every game like till Sheffield, the end of the like season. Sheffield United last year. Well, and Norwich yeah. but, what, but I mean but, but again going back to Phil he's touched on this point as well that you, you don't see any teams at the minute with maybe the exception of Brentford of doing that it only takes one mm. it well, does, no, it, does yeah. it, it need two because we're one of the teams and West Brom also if you look I'm just looking at West Brom's results so they've against Charlton they've drawn 2-2 in the league each time and only beat them 1-0 in the FA Cup so that's a team you'd expect I know we lost to Charlton, but you'd expect West Brom to, to beat them. We should have beaten them, but we didn't. They drew 1-1 away at Wigan. They should have beaten Wigan easily. Uh, 1-1 at Brentford, who were the, the danger team. 1-1 at Barnsley. Those are games that you would expect West Brom, if they're as good as they're supposed to be to win this league and, and romp it. They should have won those. 1-1 at Derby, 1-1 at Reading, 1-1 at Fulham. 
I think what West Brom's form does as well is it allows us to have that wobble as well because they're, they're not running away with it. So there's not the same pressure. They're still within touch. No, and so and I kind of took that from uh, comparing the results on Saturday that they drew 2-2 away to Charlton who were down the bottom of the league and we got beaten by a team that's in the playoffs. There's kind of an argument that those results level out a bit when you take into account the standard of, of the opposition. Mm. But at least we lost to a team that's decent. Tell you what doesn't help. Social media, Twitter doesn't help. And to a lesser extent, forums as well, because, you know, nature abhors a vacuum, doesn't it? And it will fill it with something and it fills it with this kind of collective anxiety that everyone's got. Because you kind of, everyone's feeling it, so everyone's kind of pouring it out. It definitely makes it worse for you. Because before, these thoughts may have been held in your head or shared with a group of, like, four mates in a pub or something. And you might, between you all agree things are a bit shit. But when you can hear the views of, like, a thousand people all saying... God, we're fucked, aren't we? Then it does. You do start to think, yes, we are. And it's well, not necessarily not. A, a thousand people. It can be ten just repeated a thousand times. Mm. Um, and just on Brentford's form, I'm probably one of them. I would, I would add, <laughs> on, not excluding uh, myself from this. On Brentford's form, lost one nil to Blackburn, beat Luton seven nil, then lost two one to Sheffield Wednesday. So it's not impossible. Other teams do lose to Sheffield Wednesday or have bad results in general. Do you know what? Sheffield Wednesday, they lose as well. They do. Brentford beat Bristol City 4-0, but the game before that, they lost 1-0 away to Millwall. So none of these teams are impregnable and none of them are going to win every game between now and the end of the season. Us included, them included. The thing we've just got to keep a little eye on is that of all the teams in this division, we've had results good enough to be second mm-hmm. by some distance. And that bodes well if you leave aside everything that happened last season and history repeating and, um, you know, things just happen again. You know, if every season's the same, I don't know why we even bother watching football to see what's going to happen because, yeah. you know, right. it's predictable. It's not predictable. As Jimmy Hasselbank said, the ball is round and it can do many strange things. <laughs> um, there's a long way to go. And we could fuck it up. We might go up. I think that's supposed to be part of the fun of sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's not fun though, is it? Um, We did say last week, this is actually going to be really hard for us to mess up. And do you know what? That still remains the case. Mm. We've given ourselves a really good chance. This is is how many weeks on the bounce now we've come in with that point? Was it 13 points at one point? Uh, Yeah, but I think that the point... Oh, it's 12 now, it's 10, it's 11. I know, but the... It's 9, it's 8, it's 6. The point remains is all we have to do is turn our form around. It can't be in terminal decline for for a full half season, otherwise we don't deserve to go up. If that's the case, if we cannot string any wins together between now and the end of the season, then quite frankly... We should just give it up because we don't have the right to go up. We won't be good enough to do it. I think giving it up's fine. <laughs> Save ourselves the bother. What I will say is that if we do win these next three games, which is perfectly feasible because we won so many on the bounce prior and gave ourselves a great shot, it would leave us on 61 points with 30 games played, which would then probably leave us needing somewhere between 27 and 29 points from 16 games. You're talking fewer than two points per game if we win these next three fewer than two points per game to do it it's doable it's quite really... a big if though that's nine That's nine points you're talking about though. yeah but we, we won seven on the bounce yeah against teams of this standard QPR, Millwall, Wigan beatable and the point remains as well we still have to play quite and again ignore last season and it all happening again we still have to play all the bottom six at home okay <laughs> <laughs> are you feeling a little bit better? Mm. no? Mm. okay well, Sign to players. I feel. I feel like I should like put you on a sofa with some chocolate <laughs> and like daytime TV. Put a duvet over you. Yes, yeah. feel like put on your tracky bottoms. Get your comfort yeah. on. You want your onesie? Yes, please. <laughs>
We thank Levi Solicitors for their support on the podcast and point you in the direction of their conveyancing team as well. We're into the new year, so you might be thinking of moving. And if you are, get in touch with Levi's. They have specialists, they have vast experience, and they're accredited as part of the conveyancing quality scheme, So, which means they work to the highest levels of service. They will update you in plain English, and they're completely transparent on fees. You can get an instant conveyancing quote now on their website on the usual page. And remember, there's a 10% discount to knock off the quote you get as well because you're coming through us. For conveyancing and all your other legal needs, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. And they are going to tell us when Shea Adams gets in touch, aren't they? I hope they're signing the contracts. I hope they're in charge of it. <laughs> and just when we didn't need any more instability, and I don't think this helps as well, this takeover talk that kind of reared its head again in the last week or two, because Radrizani's been in Doha. What, what does that mean? What does that mean, do you think? It, it could mean he's sold 20% of the club to them. That's one rumour. It could mean nothing. It could mean he just wanted a bit of winter sun. Who knows? Go see his mates. He's got, got friends a lot of mates over, out there, hasn't he? has got friends over there, yeah. hasn't he? What I think is quite instructive in all this is if you look at the various bits of evidence that, uh, from what Phil was saying last week, they the club hasn't had the shareholder investment this year which they're allowed to do, another 8 million quid or 10 million or whatever it might be, depending on how close we are to, to FFP. He's, you know, if you had to believe what the stories are saying, then he's been trying to get more investment, be it from Qatar, be it from the 49ers, whoever it is. So would you be surprised if this month something happened? If it does happen, I believe it'll happen on the 31st of January when we cannot spend this money. We can't spend it anyway. We know that we've discussed that with the... Well, well, we've still got some we've wiggle got, room with it. Well, yeah, because so. we haven't had the investment. If we get the investment, then it's there, isn't it? We can spend that. Yeah, but I think not to the extent that it would make that massive amount of difference. I think when we, the deals that we're trying to do are not Mbappe level, they seem affordable. I'm not sure it makes much much difference. But even then, you know, way. Shea Adams, million quid to, play, to pay on this loan fee between now and the end of the season. Which um, apparently we've agreed to. And then maybe this, um, this Colombian... English child dwarf genius. Um, there might be, you know, there's going to be maybe some a fee to pay there, down payment, million or two. So which we're, we're agreeing to. So if we're doing these three deals that we want to do, I'm not worried about the. I'm more worried about Qatar investing in us at all. I'd rather they didn't. But we've we've been over that that ground before. It's wait and see. I'm not. I don't think it'll be a a game changer. I think they would be more sensible just probably to keep everybody quiet, even if it does happen or even if it is ready to happen in January, just do it in March. Don't do it on the 31st of January just to avoid that that conversation. Just say like, oh, yeah, we couldn't actually sign it off until March. So the two things are just kept very separate. But then everybody will just, yeah, they'll say, why didn't you do this on the 1st of January? And then we could have oh, signed everybody. Oh, what happens is they do invest and Bielsa says, I don't want to be associated with this, uh, with the regime in Qatar. I resign. Uh, off to live thank, with Salim in a thank communist you, thank country. Thank you very much for your, for your time. I've had a wonderful time in Leeds, but this is it for me. He has done seminars for Aspire Academy, our old um, friends. <laughs> There's a very pointed pause there before you said friends. Yes, my, my mind whipped through uh, cultural Leonese and uh, um, and what became of Yasuki Diguchi. So he has, he has worked in Qatar. Whether he would work for Qatar, I think certainly he's not somebody who would welcome... As Boney M sang, don't change lovers in the middle of the night, don't change owners in the middle of the season, would probably be his attitude, a working relationship. Seems, well, we know from his history that it's really important to him and whatever we think of um, Ratrizzani, Kinnear and Orta, they've certainly managed to keep Bielsa happy, publicly at least. He seems to implicitly trust what they're doing and think they're going to 
or at least understand the reasons why things don't happen if they were supposed to happen. There's never been there's never been that hint at like he had at Marseille when um, when within a month of working with their chairman, he did a long like two hour press conference about how the chairman was a liar who'd broken all his promises in the transfer market, um, and he was still, he was going to carry on working under protest. There's never been a hint of that, has it? But I think it is actually important from that point of view that we keep the people who are in the executive positions in those positions until the end of the season and then it's um and then it's down to Bielsa. I did write my column the Square Ball Week on Friday was about how I don't think Bielsa will necessarily fancy the Premier League. And I think he might fancy even less starting under new owners because his job when he came here, the job they asked him to do was change the culture of the club and get us promoted to the Premier League. And so if he does that in May, that's a basically a time for him to say, right I've I've done what you asked me here to do. Anything after that in the Premier League is like a new job. And what will be the the job in the Premier League will be stop us from getting relegated, basically. And he's never in his career done a, a we finished a fourth. We, we, we finished fourth in the first season back. We know that. Well, if if we set that that as his challenge, you might fancy it. But then it is. I think um I think it's uh, despite the affection he has for the place and the the, the routes he's put down and the, the structures he's put in place, I think. Uh, promotion in the summer might be it's almost like we're trying to convince him into a, a brand new job or whether mm. he'd fancy a job at the bottom of the Premier League working for Qatar I mean I've got confidence that he'd, he'd want to stay and see the job through I think I think part of it is that he wants to do the Premier League isn't it that's why they did, gave him two years in the first place it was like mm. weren't you trying to not worry me about five <laughs> minutes ago and now you've just explained at length how Bielsa's going to leave regardless tell you what is worrying did you see the uh, the cringeworthy suck up job that the Ritz Carlton in Doha did to uh, Radrazani just returning to that for a second that was vomit inducing wasn't it they look like very nice desserts I don't know how you dare describe them as vomit inducing if, if you've not seen it by the way have a look on Radrazani's Twitter because it's, it's a little plate of what looks like um, is it an assiette of desserts I, th- I believe it, it may I have no idea I'm from Bradford I've never, I'm, I'm sure you have an assiette in Bradford on a, every night but yeah, they've obviously gone online and Don't have in Bradford. Googled some some pictures of him and printed them off as a welcome. That would freak me out. I mean, imagine if if you were in the early stages of any relationship, you know, perhaps with a new girlfriend. Or first date, first date, and you turn up with some Facebook pictures you've printed off. Well, she's pretty, I did this for you. Oh, you've, you've gone back quite far on Facebook as well. Some of those pictures are uh, are eleven years old. Oh, yeah. It's good to know you've got all the way through them. Excellent. Before the fat years set in. <laughs> I do enjoy the last line of this where it says, uh, let us stay with you, Mr. Andrea Ratrizzani, especially from the guest experience and pastry team. I'd like a pastry team to come stay with me. It'd be great. <laughs> Steve it? Evans, I'm sure, has pioneered this previously. I, I, I imagine that's what him and Chilino fell out over. He wanted to bring in a pastry team and uh, <laughs> Chilino was having none of it. Hey, you wanted that? <laughs> it would be, I think it would have been more of a fish batter team than a pastry team. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on then to Shea Adams. Uh, well, hasn't he signed yet? Which is the one that everyone's talking about. Announce. First of all, Michael, do you want him? Uh, I, I didn't a month ago, but I definitely do now because it seems everyone does and I'm dead set on him. We had Enketia a month ago. Yeah, that's true. Moscow, do you want him? Yeah, he looks good. Why? Because he looks good. Does he look, be- does he look better than Bamford? I think he does. Yeah, I think he scores more goals than Bamford. I think he's he's powerful. I think that's the the cliche I'm I'm leaning on. He looks he's, like a powerful he's got, Bamford. He's got to to, to talk on in power of, Bamford. Yeah. Sounds like something you'd see on a grinder profile. <laughs> Would you? Uh, striker in terms of striker um, cliches, he seems to have that hunger 
And one of the one of the attributes that always gets leveled at Bamford is that he never seems asked. And obviously that extends then into oh well it's his privilege and blah 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 he's portion you know that's how the joke goes. But he still, but I think it's just the way he is. The same thing got leveled at Viduka and as far as I know he wasn't from a rich family and like Dimitar Berbatov didn't look asked, but I don't think that's because he had the wealth of a tractor manufacturer behind him. Hey, one of the things that um, our friend Wayne from the Beaten Generation he um, he pointed this out to me, and I'd had exactly the same thought. You know that video montage of Shay Adams' goals last year. You look at that and you see a guy who takes shots early. He seems to think quickly mm. and act early. One of the, I think, the criticisms of Bamford is he always just seems that yard is a yard too slow in his head, and maybe that's the difference. Yeah, there was a. A, a moment when I think it's Douglas gets to the byline on Saturday and he pulls back and both Click and Bamford both don't move for it until after it's basically where it's rolled to. And it's something Bielsa was talking about, the, the art of the cutback a while ago, saying that it's really popular in Mexico, but it's also really difficult to do because you've got to align the moment when the player is going to pull it back with where they're going to pull it back to with a player who can get there at the right time to meet it. and Timing is everything, hey? And too often I do see Bamford just being that little bit like, oh, it's going there, I was going here. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just or waiting to see, waiting that moment too long just to see exactly where it's going to go. Whereas, um, Oh, yeah. there was the one where Costa did it perfectly and Bamford did it, perf- Bamford did it perfectly until he got to the front post and instead mm-hmm. of just smacking it into the top or bottom corner, puts it to the back of the south stand from about six yards out. So a striker who can just get on the ball and bang it in at the goal early and uh, and maybe score the goal that Murphy scored past Casilla, um, which when you compare Bamford's had a, almost a very similar attempt in the first half and uh, the keeper, uh, I think his shoulder touched it onto the post. Yeah, it reminds me of that one earlier in the season and I forget who it was against, but we had a discussion about it on the podcast, you and I, Moscow, about when, you know, when, he, when he went through... Uh, and he was quite far out in the keeper. Yeah, Who was yeah. that against? Anyway, oh, I can't remember. Regardless, but but it was on his left foot, perfect. His favourite yeah. foot for him to just—if he just shot your argument the keeper was had rushed out, and instead he just went. Oh no, I'm going to try and go around him. Your argument was take it early, and yeah. I, was, I sort of said, "Oh, well, it was set up for him to take it round him." And actually, on reflection, you're probably right that take it early, and it, it means the keeper's not set for the shot. Yeah. They don't have time to get organised, do they? And the defenders can't back in that instance. The defender came back and got a really good tackle in on his. Right side, whereas the the left side was completely empty. If you just if you just shot there, and uh, we know he scored a lot of goals at this level, and he's um, and he's affordable. And it sounds like we are happy to pay what Southampton want million quid and an obligation for ten million plus at the end of the season. Phil Hayes' view is that we think that's fine. The timeline is interesting because we were talking about it on Saturday, and Leeds are getting a lot of heat for having this not done yet, but. I don't get the feeling that they've, they have kind of walked into a version of the Dan James trap. But the problem with the Dan James trap and the problem with this is that it, it is the other club. Looking at the timeline between Graham Smith's reporting is that Southampton refused our first bid and have yet to refuse our second bid. And Phil Hay says that we are happy to pay what Southampton are asking. So it sounds like start the window, we've gone to them and said will you accept this for Shea Adams? And they said, no, we want a million pound loan fee and we want 10 million in the summer. And we've said, okay, that's fine. And then Southampton have said, okay, we're happy with that. And he wants to come. Problem is our manager's a dickhead. So we're going to have to persuade him to do it. And it's it's only been um, reported really this morning that Southampton had their big transfer policy meeting with the manager yesterday, Monday the 13th. When you talk about us being slow, like Southampton not having their meeting until 
the middle of the, the transfer window. And Leeds are in a bit of a dilemma there because we want it done early. We wanted it done before the Sheffield Wednesday game and we've lost those points. But if Southampton last week are saying, totally happy with the deal, like financially, that's perfect. All we've got to do is persuade the manager and the meeting with the manager is on Monday. Do we go, it sounds like there's two ways that people want us to go is either fuck that, we'll sign somebody else or this business of get it done, give them more money, throw more, like two million, five million. And we could throw five yeah. million, it sounds like we could throw five million pounds at Southampton on the loan fee and say, we'll pay you 50 million in the summer. And they'd still be like, yeah, we were fine with the million. It's the manager. We need to, and we're talking to him on Monday. So I think waiting until... Monday for that meeting to go through is a completely reasonable decision and the the other side of it is that we have set a deadline by the sounds of it which I assume would be QPR game you'd have to assume the 31st would, of January I would have thought it would be today if they've had that meeting yesterday there must have been a, an answer out of Southampton's meeting with their manager yesterday that can be communicated to Leeds today if not last night where they say we've sorted this it'll go through this week or it's going to go through I mean, this week is fingers crossed, but um, all they just say, right, no, it's not going to budge and there's, and you, you need to look elsewhere. It is a real dilemma. And two things on this is that when we speak to Phil on that podcast later on in the week, he's going to run us through the um, recruitment process because I've got questions. I'd like to find out how it works. I think maybe it'll give us all a better handle on those things you're talking about, how, how many different moving parts there are in this this whole thing. The second thing is that there are, I have seen reports today on Twitter that Shay Adams has told Hassan Huttle Southampton boss that he's unhappy and Hassan Huttle has been quoted as saying that he's unhappy. So you get the feeling that maybe that the cogs are just starting to turn there. That's something I think Phil was mentioning last week that if um, if Hassan Huttle isn't willing to let him go, then he's going to try and force it through himself. So there is there's that rationale for I think we're waiting in a slightly different way to Dan James last year because last year it was negotiating with Swansea to try and do a deal that would be acceptable, whether it's the transfer fee, the loan fee, whatever. In this case, and that deal wasn't sorted until the very end of the window when they said, right, that that loan fee and we'll structure it like this. And that was that was where we got to and, and they were confident that Daniel James could come up. This does seem like it's coming to a head. The deal is agreed with the board at, at Southampton and it's coming to a head in the middle of the transfer window so that we'll know one way or the other, whether we can actually do it or not and whether we, we move on. So there will be two weeks left if this doesn't happen. So it's it's different, but it is, I mean, I think you're right with the, the, the recruitment process. I think we forget sometimes that there are other clubs and other clubs are fucking nightmares. Yeah, and I think as well, Bielsa plays a part in this too, in that he's very particular about the sort of players that he wants. And when presented with a list of players, he might not turn around and go, yeah, I'll have any one of those five. Yeah. That's my number one, but two or three would be fine. It seems like, particularly with regards to like Dan James last year and then Shadams this year, very particular about the individual that he wants. I think Dan James, he was kind of ambivalent about whether we had a player in that position. I think we all thought, and he, he might have turned out to be, that he was going to be the player to make or break promotion. I think uh, Leeds and... Um, and Bielsa were looking at a bit more of a Tyler Roberts thing of like, oh, we, we can get him in now because nobody else has seen him. And that was the thing with Dan James is we thought he was sneaking out a player under the radar who uh, we could have stuck him in the under-23s and then just let him develop and, and wait until this season. He might have might have been the, the time to use him. This time, um, there is a gap in the first team for um, a striker or at least on the bench that needs filling. But... Bielsa said at the at the weekend or last week that yeah we're not just going to buy somebody for the sake of it and I think that's that's right because <clears throat> speed is of the essence but that way you can, you could end up with the question is if it's really easy to buy somebody it's like well why are their clubs so willing to let them go 
if it's uh, a little bit more difficult. The players, the good players are going to be harder to sign in January especially. So it is an awkward situation. Do we do we sack it off before the Sheffield Wednesday game and say, right, we, we're not going to play QPR. a single game? No, I mean, I'm retrospectively, right. should we have sacked it off before the Sheffield Wednesday game and say, we're not going to play a single league game without a backup striker? <laughs> we'll just get whoever because they're available. Yep. Or do we look at it on the end of last week and say, well, everything is in place for this to go through if the Southampton board can lock their manager in a cupboard on Monday morning and then we can get it sorted next week and then mm. it's worth waiting for the player you actually want rather Although, than some lumbering idiot turning up. I will say it's daft that we have one striker in the squad. Like no other team. I know we play. I know the system only ever involves one striker but I can't imagine any other club in the Football League has a single has one striker. You wrote about this actually as well, Moscow, talking about it's kind of a perfect storm that we find ourselves in with regards to the money that the club has, Bielsa's style of recruitment and his insistence on such a small squad. It's kind of, we're kind of, somewhere in the middle of all that lies our transfer policy. Yeah, it's not what we're used to. I mean, it is a question of how many you can have because it's impossible to cover for every eventuality I do look at Sheffield Wednesday were being cited by Noel Whelan on the the radio on Saturday and yeah they've got you know five strikers but only one of them has scored more than three goals so is that really sensible to have Jordan Rhodes sitting there earning however much they're paying Jordan Rhodes every week and contributing a grand total of three goals to get them to the bottom of the playoffs whereas we're here where we've we've got one striker that we we rely on Thing is, they're, they're not the only options, though, are they? Having five expensive strikers and just one striker, and not the t- they're not. It's not one or the other, is it? But it, when a sensible thing would be to have someone who you think three strikers. Three strikers would be the obvious thing, and maybe the third one is someone who is half decent, maybe a young, a youth prospect or something. But again, I think this is what Moscow's saying. The though, job with Tyler Roberts is that is your yeah. option there, or even Jack Harrison at a push. I think, and that's that's Bielsa's thinking, isn't it? Yeah, his. I think if you were to see Bielsa's like squad wall chart and see who is covering what position it will be it's like Dallas in in midfield or Ben White covering Calvin Phillips's position and then the backup for that is McCalmon I suppose we forget that Roberts is a striker because yeah. he, nev- he never plays there he was and a, he's never fit he was a big hurly-burly number nine, number nine from all reports at Walsall he was bullying uh, League One defenders in the six months before he signed for Leeds and they yeah he was a total being a striker was his game and converting him to a number 10 has been a bit of a, a project rather than anything else so the only problem is his glass leg so he's very rarely available but well, it is I think it's it's a symptom of um, of only playing one up front and a lot of clubs have this problem of how many strikers can you keep happy and Bielsa's view and Bielsa is the man who has to keep them happy is not very many because they all want to play and he doesn't want a bunch of grumpy gusses <laughs> glooming around Thorpe Arch. But it's um, everything has failure as an option, doesn't it? You can, yeah. Have, yeah, yeah. you can have, we could sign three strikers and they will get injured, which with our track record is likely. <laughs> you could sign five strikers at Sheffield Wednesday and only one of them scores any goals. You could have one striker, as our situation has, has been, if you forget about Nketiah, and he scores enough goals to get you to the, the top of the league. Yeah. Or he could break down irredeemably. But Shea yeah. Adams has to come. Yes. Um, let's move it on then. Ian Paveda, would you like him to replace Jack Clark or would you like Ian Carlos Paveda Ocampo? Because that's a far more glamorous name, isn't it? Half London, half Colombian, 19 years old, and he's tiny. But he looks decent, doesn't he, from the, the highlights reel. And, you know, you've got to put, like you say, your faith in Bielsa and think if he has identified him and sees real potential in him, why not? 
it's a shame we're not going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> this is one. Enjoy to think now. I think this is adding to people's stress as well because even though no one had heard of him, and I mean literally, I don't think a single Leeds fan would have known who this guy was ahead of us being linked with him because I doubt anyone is following Manchester City's youth teams very closely. But we were. It was basically presented as this is a done deal. We think he can go in the first, train to the first team. He's not going to cost us all that much. He's young. He's skillful. I mean, he's, he's ours. But then all of a sudden, he's on a plane to Torino and he's watching one of their games and he's speaking to them. And he might. He still he's still interesting. We're still in with a shot, but there's there's definitely interest from them, and they can probably pay him more because he, he's going to be out of contract. And if you sign up to a, for a club abroad when you're 19, the club doesn't have to pay any of the any of the fees and and whatnot. So. This added to the fact we've not yet signed Chair Adams just makes it feel like, well, we're missing out on everyone then. Mm. We can't sign anyone. There doesn't seem a lot of evidence that he is actually talking to Torino. He went there to watch them play. But the um, the report on it has includes the paragraph, this Italian trip is not understood to be a journey to sign contracts. Sounds like he's just gone on holiday. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, he hasn't. I, I, think, I think that's a touch naive to say that. But then he's... He yeah. might not be signing contracts, but he's certainly discussing contracts. Oh. But, Come on, he does. He's not just gone to watch. He's not plucked Torino as a random European weekend. weekend. It's just he's, oh, I always fancy watching Torino and Parma on Monday night. I mean, that's a good weekend away. It's, you and your dad yeah. go and watch Torino and Parma. It'd be lovely. I wish I'd gone, but <laughs> didn't invite you, did he? He didn't invite me, <laughs> little bastard. Um, and I suspect they are more interested in signing him than they would be me. Uh, we're getting Ilya Caprile. Are we going to pronounce it like that? Capri Sun. That's the one. Uh, he's coming in anyway. Looks like it could mean the end for Miazet um, or, uh, or Hoffer then. Physique, not spider-like. It's interesting. Completely normal looking. Disappointing, really. <laughs> I think we should sign goalkeepers based purely on physical comedy from, from now on. Although, mostly, he didn't look as, as weird in, in a game, actually. I was a bit disappointed on photos. I think because there's the photo that sticks to my mind is the one with him on sat down with his legs sort of higher than his neck, and it's a, it's a makes him look very. Um, was it that one where he was eating leaves from the top of really tall trees? <laughs> very spidery. Uh, but I mean, this guy, who knows? He's not a happy looking soul, is he? Yeah, look at him. Like his furrowed brow, oh, scowling goodness. teenager. He looks like somebody's just said. He's uh, he's having his Xbox taken off him. <laughs> um, and on the way out, then other way. Chubitsky has come back from Den Haag and has been sold to, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce that because it's got lots of S's and Z's in it, uh, Pogon, and their booby prize is to take Lawrence de Bock on loan because he's gone to Den Haag instead. Their booby prize is that Alan Pardew is their manager. Is that right? Yes, mm. he's he's only recently taken over during the, the winter break and he's decided he doesn't fancy uh, Chubitsky much, but um, Lawrence de Bock is the, the player for him. I feel sorry for old Lawrence because he's come back from... Um, uh, Sunderland citing that he was homesick and apparently Den Haag is 60 miles from the Dutch border mm. uh, from the Belgian border I suppose both um, good rail system though but he's, yeah system. it won't take him too long to, to get home but he's, he's just like inching <laughs> inching ever closer and then he'll probably end up back in Leeds in the, the summer because it's um, it does have a clause to make it permanent in the summer but they're, they're going to have to watch him play before then so uh-huh. I expect him back Damn. imminently uh, good luck to Connor Shaughnessy who's at Burton Albion on loan Shocknessy and, yeah him uh, Louis Coyle as well finally bless Louis <laughs> He's, uh, he's joined Fleetwood, Fleetwood Town legend. <laughs> Permanent transfer. Well, he's 24. Is he really? How the hell is Louis Coyle 24 years old? Everybody's been, for years, it's been, oh, we give that young lad a go. Give that teenage Louis Coyle, maybe he can cover for uh, Luke Ayling. And suddenly he's, he's 
Is he older than Sam Byram? He's gone to Fleetwood and turned into a man, hasn't he? That's what's that's what's happened before we before we've. It's like when you don't see a, a relative for a few years, and you're like, oh, okay. It turns out they're a full grown adult now. I was <laughs> going to compare it to World War Two. <laughs> He's disappeared and came back. He disappeared a callow eighteen year old. He's come back a soldier. We discussed last week that he'd uh, been beating up ball boys anyway I'm at the behest of uh, Liam Cooper. So Rough and tough. Did you see um, Angus Kinnear when he's he's too busy being Saki in the programme to, to deal with um, any actual transfers, but he did say that um, something about the ball boys in Leeds would teach Fulham's players swear words rather than the other way round and then picked up on the fact that the penalty at Fulham, um, the FA have said again that it was given in error. So just like the one at Millwall, although they never actually, well, the FA wouldn't let them talk about whether the penalty was given in error. It was just that the red card shouldn't have been given. But Angus does point out we are left in a position where 50% of our defeats this this season are now attributable to refereeing decisions that have subsequently been formally overruled. So they're not even like maybe ones where it's sort of, oh, you've seen them given, that's a bit bad luck, but the the football authorities have actually sided with us and said, yeah, that shouldn't have been given against you. Do you know what's interesting there as well? The other 50% are attributable to a daft racist. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't discuss during the Wednesday game either, actually. I think there's a penalty on Bamford in that game where he's going for the header. The defender clearly is holding him with both hands Mm. and Bamford's in front of him. So he's just, Bamford's got the wrong side of him and he's just thought, I can't let him have a header at this. So that's another one we should have had. And that was nil-nil at that point. And there's one where he was running through at nil-nil. Too honest. He well, used to go down. The right, words of Chris right, Wilder right, ringing right. in his ears. Angus and Angus there. Yeah, I'm sure you can put this in his in his um, programme notes in February when we've signed a teenager from, I don't know, Iceland or something. From Manchester City, the new Messi. Well. A five-foot-five player is in Pep Guardiola's squad. He's obviously Lionel Messi. And this, so. is an, this is another Apart thing. the fact Pep Guardiola doesn't want him. <laughs> this is another thing about... Well, Ang- he left Barcelona, didn't he? about Angus getting sassy, I was going to say, is that it, this is used as a stick to beat him as well. So why are you talking about that? Why are you signing players? Why are you doing parts of your job that are needed to be done? Got to fill the programme. <laughs> Idiot. Not, Go support Luton. No, you do. Go work for him. Well, it's part of his job. I'm, I'm quietly impressed that we do actually hammer the FA on this stuff and not just let it go. So will you look at that penalty again, please, and then make it public? Like, right, that should not have been given as a penalty. Remove the the debate and the argument from it. And we can now say that, yeah, Fulham cheated us out of it. And it was of the the measure that that one with uh, with Bamford, not the one where he was being held at the corner, but when he was running through, hardly any contact, but the, the player is sliding. And against Leeds, if he goes down, penalty. Shea, sure Shea Adams will be better at winning penalties. Well. The, thing, the thing with that better Bamford everything. one where he stays up <laughs> is that the strikers in the Premier League know to run left when they see a player doing that. They know mm. to run into the player who is sliding because then it, then there is loads of contact and he goes down and all of a sudden there's no debate over it. It's like, oh yeah, clearly clattered him there. He's bought that one. He's won that one. He's won it well. Yeah, whereas Bamford... You make that challenge. So honest. Yeah. Such yeah. an honest lad. <laughs> uh, we need to say congratulations to Johnny Woodgate who ended up getting manager of the month. Bielsa was uh, shortlisted the game but didn't win it this time. The most honest award in the Football League. No lies. No lying there. Yeah, the table doesn't lie and nor does this award. Do you think... Middlesbrough getting the playoffs. I really hope they do. That would be the greatest thing. And then lose to Leeds. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, we know that playoffs won't happen this season. We are going to get promoted, definitely, without the aid of the playoffs. And there's going to be a party. Eden J. Harris is um, tracking the booze baton. That's his uh, handle on Twitter. Our mate Garden. Uh, it's the location of the end of season promotion party. Started in Leeds at the start of the season. Stoke City beat us in the League Cup. Uh, they took it and then it passes from team to team like that. Currently in Southampton. They lost 9-0 at home to Leicester earlier on this season. And it's pretty amazing that they went and won there on Saturday thanks to the brilliant Che Adams and therefore retain the baton. If only they'd sacked Hasenhutl after that 9-0 defeat, we could have Chad Adams by now. It may be that the fact that Hasenhutl is there that Chad Adams wants to leave. You never know, do you? He does seem like a horrible bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're playing Wolves on Saturday as well, so we'll see if the baton makes its way back towards the, uh, the black country. Uh, if we do go to Southampton, I have been looking, and we could visit, what is its 27th favourite attraction? Top, so it's in the top 30. Can you name the other 26? Well, incredibly, St. Mary's is higher up on the list than this. Uh, however, if someone would like to read this glorious review of the Play Shack in Hedge End, which is a children's soft play area, I reckon it'd be a good way to start the day with that. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? You quite a lot by the sound of this. <laughs> Both my daughters were going around the play area together and trodden in poo. That's the way it's written. I've not read that wrong. Another child had had an accident. Both children had this mess on their socks, which went straight in the bin. I complained to the staff that I was not happy and wanted a refund for this disgusting inconvenience. I was offered free socks for them both instead. Not bad at all. I said I'd have probably taken that. Not very happy. It's hard to please. Um... <laughs> The area was not evacuated to be bleached, etc. You'd have gone and got the old socks out of the bin if you'd known, wouldn't you? <laughs> Quick rinse through, that'd be, that'd be absolutely fine. It was just wiped and sprayed down. I think it should have been emptied for a deeper clean, in my opinion. You see, I read that and I thought immediately the area was evacuated and that's what caused all this trouble in the first place, wasn't it? But, but there you go. Nope, just carry on. Hey, you know Man City, before they were Man City, they were just plain old Man City and they were rubbish, weren't they? Used to beat them all the time, didn't we? Yeah, we faced them in the fourth round of the FA Cup in 2000. When they were sort of about where we are now and vice versa, we were top of the Premier League, they were riding high in the Championship. And we're looking back on that game. Do you remember it? The fourth round tie, 5-2, in the Extra Ball, our other podcast this week. That's our weekly subscription podcast where we bring you extra stuff every single week. And by subscribing, you get behind us as well, so we really appreciate it. And there is also the chance to win the greatest mug ever cast every single week. Sign up and enjoy your first month free at the squareball.net forward slash the extra ball. QPR away on Saturday. We don't win in London, but we will do this time, won't we? We'll be fine with the defeat. We'll just take it on the chin. QPR didn't win in London on Saturday either. It was on in the pavilion before the game and they were shit against Brentford. They were terrible, weren't they? Or is it because Brentford are the greatest team in the world and are soon going to be top of the league? Or is it QPR just hate the Welsh? Back up this theory. 6-1 against Cardiff, 5-1 against Swansea. That's their previous two wins before uh, losing to Brentford and they lost a Hall before that. They just really up for it against the Welsh. They lost five, I was looking at the results here. They lost 5-3 to Barnsley, didn't they? 4-0 to Nottingham Forest. That's, they've got wild results, haven't they? They are absolutely mad. <laughs> 
yeah, who knows? Who knows what they're gonna they're gonna get from this? I mean, they're gonna get nothing. We're gonna win because we're in the grey and pink kit, and I think that's become a lucky kit for us mostly. Has anyone signed their good player yet? Because that's basically what we need to happen. We need him properly disrupted and maybe on the way to Sheffield or Southampton or somewhere. In fact, if Southampton could do the decent thing and buy Eze, get him in, they can can let an attacking player go and that'll really fuck them up for this game. There were some uh, rumours about Southampton being in for Eddie and Ketia, which would be a real interesting turnaround. If they get him on loan, we can have Adams. I didn't think Eze was that good. He looked good, but he didn't actually do anything. I noticed now that he has got 10 goals and 6 assists. So I suppose he's got something to him. But against us, I just thought he was a bit of a, was a bit flash with no end product. It's like we seemed happy for him to go like, all right, dribble around Stuart Dallas a few times if you want. This like, is the same man who was in love with Jordan Bataka is now is now accusing someone who's got ten goals and six assists as being as being just flash and not no end product. I don't have Jordan Bataka's uh, stats to hand, but I think you'll find he was all end products with uh, and with no problems whatsoever. Jack Clark, what about Jack Clark? We could be facing him. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Hmm. He's fine. Just get him fired up on some some Red Bull before the game. Just leave him in the dressing room. We know he can't resist that just shit. Offer him some pro plus on the pitch. I've have have, just have a couple of those. I mean, we should say last time he did he did have a seizure, and we don't want that to happen. We don't want to necessarily kill him just because he's not a Leeds player anymore. But I would quite like him to go straight into their team and be as um, as ghostly absent as he has been from our squad ever since that game uh, at Middlesbrough. He'll turn do, into do nothing. He'll turn into the most amazing player now. Well, no, because I actually hope he does play because. We know he has one trick, and it's not like the Leeds defenders won't have seen that trick every single day in training. Well, I think so, what you're describing is a known quantity there. Yeah, so he'll do absolutely nothing against us, and it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> do you fancy us for this game? I know confidence is wobbling at the minute. I fancy us for this game, do you? We never win at QPR, though, do we? Yeah, but... Like, never. So what? When we did we last win there? When we beat... That, when they were promoted, we beat them, didn't we, Ross McCormack? Oh, yeah, that was it. That didn't matter though. That was a pointless game. No, I'm going. I know things have been a little bit nervy, but if we get a sign in completed this week, preferably Shea Adams, we can go into this game riding the momentum of that, the crest of that particular wave. And I, even if we don't, I think we go there and win. I remember going to watches at QPR when we had the the new signings of Connor Wickham and Jack Butland to boost the team, and it was like, oh, okay, maybe something's going to happen here. We lost. But that was Chilino era, so it was different rules. We should take a look at what Who scored say about them, apart from my assessment that they are mad. They're very strong at creating chances through individual skills, so that'll be Ezzy. They're good at uh, creating long shot opportunities, which I think just means having the ball within 35 yards of the goal. Creating chances using through balls, strong at finishing scoring chances, so maybe maybe a cheeky bid for Naki Wells is in order and at stealing the ball from the opposition. They are weak at defending set pieces, avoiding fouls in dangerous areas, weak at protecting the league, weak at defending attacks down the wings, which is where we love to attack. And they are very weak at avoiding individual errors. So we need to try and um, get in some individuals' heads. (laughs) Who's at the back? We need to go up to uh, Angel Rangel. It's got to be um, Pablo Hernandez needs to start, go straight up against Angel Rangel and just bring up every little thing he may have ever done wrong at Swansea that's still like kind of preying on his mind is what he's like and hell you remember when you uh you didn't pay that bill at McDonald's and I had to pick it up he's like oh shit Pablo I'm so- I'm sorry about that and then suddenly he's made a mistake it's like yeah you see I've not forgotten god it was so long ago but I it, it nags me in the in the night when I wake up I remember I left you with that you had to pay for my happy meal so all that kind of stuff's got to go on and then we'll be fine 
And we we'll did... go two goals down and we'll bring Shea Adams on. Glorious match, saving hat-trick. 3-2 win. We did hear from Darren, by the way, in relation to this game on the WhatsApp number, which is 07899555549. All right, lads. I was just listening to the Match Ball podcast from the Sheffield Wednesday game and I just wanted to add something to Michael's coaching manual, which is this. Sometimes football teams lose football matches and if that does happen please don't collectively everybody supporters included shit yourselves I just want to add the caveat to that that uh, if we lose at QPR and Brentford win everybody has my full permission to commence operation shit yourselves hard sell my nerve don't know about you <laughs> I like the idea of shitting yourself hard <laughs> Brentford are at Huddersfield so I suspect that's going to be Three points for them. Why can't I but see... You, you uh, never know. It's, that's the sort of daft game that teams lose in this league. That Normally Huddersfield lose. Yeah, normally they do, but I don't know. You never know. Why can't I see West Brom on the fixtures? Have they given up? They played on the... Mon- Are they just not in the league now? Because that would help. <laughs> if they just decide, actually, you know, this is all a bit difficult. I think we'll leave it. <laughs> just pack it in. That's what I was suggesting we did earlier. <laughs> yeah, and the West Brom were broken first. They're playing Monday night against Stoke. Stoke okay. are all right now, so that's that's fairly tough. They'll go there for a point, won't they? Oh yeah, I mean Slavin Bilic, he loves he loves just a, a calm point. And yeah, I suppose the uh, the early kickoff in London it reduces the the pissedness levels, but we we don't actually have Marius San Lucas in our defence anymore, so it's maybe not such a concern. We'll win, like I say, three two, two goals down. Shea Adams the hero. That's my prediction. At least immediately after the game in the match ball, we could, we'll still be able to say. We're still six points clear of third. Yes. <laughs> I, I think we, we do. We, we go score three goals on uh, on Saturday. Three assists for Perveda. Yep. Good old Ian. Is he not in Turin still on his on his holiday? Where's he gone next? Maybe down to Sicily or something? Never. Amalfi Coast is supposed to be really nice. Yeah, lovely, yeah. yeah. But you wouldn't want to play football there, would you? Not when you could play it in Leeds. Um, what are you feeling for the, for the weekend, Michael? No, I don't fucking know. Probably lose. We'll probably lose every game. I'm just looking what's still to come. I mean... QPR, we never win there, so that's a loss. Millwall, that's a bogey team. Wigan, we know what happened there. Forest, they're doing all right. By the, by the time we play Forest, they'll probably go above us. We'll be in fourth. <laughs> by the time we play Brentford, that'll be put us down to fifth. They'll, they'll be, be top. They'll be top. Yeah. You've got to point out as well that the, the Forest on Saturday and then Brentford away on Tuesday are both on Sky, so they'll be televising our demise. I mean, they're televising all these, aren't they, apart from the Wigan game, actually. And then by the time we're playing Bristol um, in 15th of Feb, we'll be needing to win to stay in the playoffs. And then Ketia scores. Yes. And Lee Johnson runs to, onto the pitch to celebrate like a child pitch invader. Only shoulder height to Ian Pervader. <laughs> the, uh, the failure, as we'll have called him by then. Right, let's pick our heroes and villains then for this week, who's brought joy and despair to the world of Leeds United. First, the Ken Bates Villainy Awards. What's been going on then to make us sad this week? First nominee has to be Ken Bates because Dem's the rules. What's he been doing this week? Not a lot, unfortunately. Casper, uh, Wyoming. I think Councilman Ken Bates has been skipping meetings or something because he's never saying anything anymore. He used to always have chip in about the parking or about the, the furniture store they were selling. Well, he's just been re-elected for his, uh, his final year in office, hasn't he? So maybe he's just getting lazy now. He's like, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah, final term, just soaking up the expenses, I imagine. I mean, I have no evidence of, of what Councilman Ken Bates is up to, but that's what I might do if I was in his I mean, position. That's what um, GFH got rid of our Ken Bates for. It's very true. I don't know if the Wyoming budget stretches to a private jet for Councilman Ken Bates, but um, on the off chance it does, 
I think we're nominating Ken Bates for not representing his constituents properly. Good. Right, who else? Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl. Just get over it. Let him go. He don't want to be there. Let him go. If you love somebody, set them free. (laughs) (laughs) Who else? But he hates uh, Adam, so just, yeah, stop. Well, on the subject of names that are slightly hard to spell, uh, Hasenhutl, um, the crew admin team, I mean, I don't know who who exactly has filled this team sheet out, but the under-23s played crew yesterday. We we spoke a while ago about how we'd got our own internationals board a bit wrong in a few mm. places. But I mean, this is... This is wild. It's, it's new level. For, I, haven't, I haven't seen this. So just to go down the team sheet, Camille Myerzek is spelled wrong. They've put a C at the front. Brial Hosanna. This is where it gets extraordinary. It actually changes the names. It's not just misspellings. Yeah. His name is Bryce, not Brial. Yep. Brial <laughs> Hosanna. It gets worse. Leave Davis, fair enough. You've got How that they got wrong. that right? I mean, Leaf is not as in tree. Do you think they checked that one? Yeah, it is odd. Then no and Kenny, that's right. Mm. Then Pascal S. I don't know how you pronounce it. S double R U L J K. Srulk. 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 Charlie Cresswell. That's right. Fair enough. Well done. The then, his dad. Then you get down as far as Ryan Commonson. It's not his name. No. And then probably my favourite is Matthias Bolis. I mean, <laughs> some of them you can look at a keyboard layout and you can think, okay, that's a a letter to one side or whatever. Matthias Belice. I can only imagine the team sheets have been handwritten and someone's pulled them from that. Mm. Um, Liam McLaren. Um, I didn't even, I've completely missed Liam McLa- Mc, uh, McLaren. McLaren. <laughs> MC Laren. Mm. And I looked as well to see if it was if it was a Leeds problem though or whether it was crew not checking properly. And they played at Barnsley in the FA Cup and Clark Adua was listed on the uh, on the team sheet. I think part. it is a crew problem. So I'm think. Well, I think they're just lead team bastards. They spelled uh, Mo. They did spell Alex Mowat right. Who else do you want to nominate them? Sean Harvey for everything. Half million pound payoff. His half million pound payoff from the football league, and also whoever wrote his name down on our preparation as S E A N when we've just been slagging off <laughs> crew for spelling names right. He has always been an S H Sean. That's true. I think that was me actually. Sean. So I'm nominating Michael as well for. Yeah, but it doesn't matter for Sean Harvey, does it? Let's hear you without sin. (laughs) (laughs) Who else? Probably as a a bit of an extension of that, someone who who employed Neil Warnock. Um, I mean, he's a double nomination actually now as Warnock because he was nominated originally for talking bollocks on TalkSport, saying that he thinks in a good season, Leeds and West Brom aren't top of the league. But why do we hear it in Warnock's voice? Ah, lads. Uh, In a good season, you know, West Brom and Leeds, they're not top of the league. Fulham, they've got the best squad. Brentford have got the best strikers. Uh, West Brom and Leeds have been consistent with the. That's why they're up there. But he's, today he's also come out and said he wants. Would you believe it? One last, one last job. Just one last job. It's not even. It's twelve last games. We, Apparently, <laughs> I've got the uh, twelve league games to go to get fifteen hundred, and that's really tempting to me. Uh, I might have to go to League Two or something like that. But why not? Don't bother me. What division I'm managing in? I just think I'll go at the end of the season. We're doing. Quite a bit of renovation at the house in Cornwall. It'll be finished at the end of the season. So I think Sharon will be happy with me out of the house for a, 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 few, a few weeks. Uh, I'd like to do the 12 games, if I'm honest. I'd like to be able to contribute to a club, either saving it or or getting it up or, or just getting my 12 fucking games because I'm a fucking self-obsessed wanker. That, that is the thing with this. If you were 
if you're a chairman and you're interviewing people, normally yeah. you'd be like, what do you see as your style of play? What do you see as the long-term aims of the club? What like philosophy are you going to have? I just want 12 games, really. Just want, what are you going to bring to I, it? I just want 12 games because my house is all being done up. And at the moment, we're, we're having to eat in the in the back kitchen and it's not, it's not very Shams nice. Shams a nightmare at the moment. It's all microwave dinners for the next couple of weeks. So I just want out of there, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Warnock might even assume that a manager should have the good grace to stand aside for him for 12 games. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Marcelo. Someone who's on the verge of promotion, actually, should let Warnock take the team mathematically up and if get I his 12 just, games. If I could just have that on my CV. He did that, actually, in his um, one of his books. He talks about how, I think it's his team loses to Oldham in a vital match, so... Older men end up getting promoted. It's like Joe Royal should uh, he should really have given me the medal for that one. It's like, no, he fucking shouldn't. He managed them all season, and you lost one game. It's like, really, yeah, they, Joe wouldn't have had his uh, his promotion if he won for Neil Warnock. So uh, I think that one there, I'll put that down on the board at home next to my next to my big fifteen hundred games mural with the big painting on my face that Sharon's having <laughs> Sharon's having arranged at the would, moment. He would have he'd have a life size portrait, would not uh, like above his fireplace. This is, it's not only whichever. Sorry, club takes him on for this. They're not only going to have to suffer paying him for this to the end of the season, but the fucking faff he'll make about the the fifteen hundred game celebration, mm. where it'll be they'll have to have you know balloon races, police and, dog display, <laughs> marching band, fireworks, all sorts. Brownie of, jumping over a minute. He want the whole, he <laughs> want the whole family up, getting all the players. Paddy Kenny will have to come on in the last five minutes to play in goal. It'll just be an absolute circus, and that's <laughs> that's what somebody will be signing up for. I reckon Neil Warnock's got an honours board in his own house that he's had commissioned <laughs> and engraved wooden honours board that he, when people stop in the hallway, he just, oh, that's just my. Uh, my honours board. I didn't ask Neil. Well, I know, but I could see. You. I, you, I, could, gonna do. I could see you looking at it. So it's just all my promotions there. <laughs> I love it. Uh, is that it for villainy? Anybody else? Uh, Kiko for being a big racist who can't defend his front post. Yep. Uh, who else? Leeds United's board. Sign somebody. All of them. Rajasani, Kinnear. You're also. just pissing people off now. Sign someone. What's the guy called? Uh, who's not no longer there from Aspire? Oh, Raul Bra- uh, Raul Bravo. Ivan <laughs> Bravo. Ivan Bravo. Him as well. Him too. All of them. Yeah. Sign somebody. Yep. QSI, why couldn't we have had that money earlier? <laughs> Even though you don't want it. Yep. <laughs> right. Then. I just want everybody to calm down. If it'll make everybody else feel better, it'll make me feel better. But nobody feels good. Right, pick yourself a villain then out of those. Phil Sean Harvey. I mean, Sean Harvey's at half a million pounds. But is he is he a bigger problem to us at the moment than Ralph Hasenhurtl, who is not a patch on his uh, near namesake, David Hasselhoff? I've been thinking about Hasselhoff a lot this week due to him, and that's another reason to nominate him. It is. Uh, what even is a Hasenhurtl? Does anybody try to translate that? Well, while you do that, should we just give him the award? Yes, he right. is definitely the villain at the moment. And we've he is the reason why we've nominated our own club's board, is because this knobhead won't let... Um, if he'd just done the decent thing and stepped aside and... Uh, and let Sheridan's come last week when we when we wanted him. I mean, he's effectively keeping him hostage, isn't he? He's he keeping is. he's keeping him hostage and keeping us in the championship. So yeah, he can have it. On to the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Then nominations for that, please. Uh, Lawrence de Bock or Alan Pardew, just for taking him. Thank you. Rehoming that sad lost puppy. Yeah, like Moscow says, he wants to go home, and we've got him nearly there, and we want him to go home. Yeah, it's for the it's for the best for everyone, isn't it? And if if him and Pardew can find love in a hopeless place of, of Den Haag, then maybe that's maybe that's the best for everyone. It's The Hague, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, if it doesn't work out, they can go and go to the, <laughs> the international courts and have it all 
sorted out. I always remember that because... They should get Levi solicitors involved. There's the really famous goal... Do they defend world criminals? <laughs> I mean, let's not get into that. <laughs> there's the really famous goal that Johan Cruyff uh, scored and it's got American commentary where it goes, um, Cruyff, 1972, Ajax, the Hag. And then he scores the goal and it's brilliant. Uh, heroes, who else? Uh, Luke Ayling won Player of the Month, didn't he? In December, that's good. I think this is a public vote though, so Leeds players just always win this. As long you just need to get on the shortlist as a Leeds player, and it's basically a done deal. But he did do well. The, his, his, the stuff he did in that Birmingham game was uh, was heroic. Who else? Wacko.com raised four hundred quid from the uh, the Leeds forum for Rob Burrow, which was which yeah, was well, very nice. Well done, lads and lasses. Oh, and knowing Kenny for signing his contract and continuing to have a brilliant website. Yeah, when we mentioned it before, we thought it was an old website that hadn't been updated, but he he's put updates on from from the 2018-19 season which he thought was a very productive year getting a lot of individual reward and laying my best football laying um, his best football laying his best football that's what it, that's what it says on the website okay. so uh, I really believe I developed as a player as well as a person which helped coped with difficult situation during the season and made me more determined to prove people wrong yeah good on him alright can we nominate late villains these people that no one Kenny is having to prove wrong his website's lovely if you've not had a look at it Noonkenny.com. Good stuff. Um, it's quite hard because we had a bit of a shitty week this week to pick any heroes, but do we have any more nominations or are we picking from that shortlist? I'd give it to uh, Noan Kenny, the webmaster. Yeah. He's got some nice pictures of his mum and dad on there and he's thanking his aunt and uncle for looking after him and stuff. It's all it's all very adorable and sweet. and how Wholesome. He... It's wholesome, which is exactly what Leeds United is as a club. Mm. That's exactly it. Conveying the right values. Hashtag together. Look out for the Phil Hay Show in the second half of the week. Check out the Extra Ball and get yourself a half-season subscription right now at thesquareball.net. That wraps up episode 164 of the podcast as we march towards another glorious victory at QPR. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.